and welcome to the DM's Book Club, a podcast where we read about some Dungeons and Dragons and discuss how we might include it in our role-playing campaigns. With me again, back from last week, talking about annual and how this doesn't exist anywhere else, is Matt. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me back. It's really no good. No worries. No worries. Well, we were just talking just off camera then how uh, you are still doing work even when you're in virtual pub sessions, which I, <laughs> yes. it's, it's commendable, but I understand because, again, working at different time zones and stuff is... Uh, pretty impressive <laughs> it is it's also it surprises people so everyone assumes that you work at the wizards of the coast headquarters which are in renton kind of just outside seattle mm-hmm. so they all when they set a meeting they always set a meeting that's kind of at that time i frequently have a meeting pop up at like 9 p.m on a friday night in my oh. calendar and i have to go back and go like thing is like i'm kind of not working at that point so can we <laughs> move that somewhere else yeah on a friday i feel like yeah. m- my rule is like you just don't have any meetings at all on a friday because you're already <laughs> yeah. zoned out it should be the beginning of the week like get them out the way and then yeah. and then stuff oh my wife does a very high-flying uh marketing job for a an amazing company called boston consulting group very it's very big stuff mm. and um her last thing every Friday is a really important meeting. Oh. And I'm just like, why? Why would they do that? And I think it's, again, it's based on America. It's that crossover time of someone in America can do it. What's 9 a.m. for them yeah. on a Friday? And so everyone in the UK is kind of like, we have this big meeting. But then for us, and presumably in America as well, you have the big uh, the big weekend. So like you, you decide on actions and then nothing gets done for two days. That, that's the thing for me. <laughs> like I certainly set, when I set out yeah. my actions and meetings and I'll send them and email them afterwards. Of course they won't get done the next day, but at yeah. least if they're within the week, then I hope for some response before the, you know, before the weekend. But the weekend, it's, it's gone. I assume it's their own time. So yeah. oh, big takeaway from this episode, no Friday meetings, done, right. <laughs> yeah. Should I tell you what we're talking about today? What topic? Yes, please do. Okay. Now, Matt, you set the tone very high with like a proper annual and stuff like that. And I was like, all right, I need to think of something also equally good. And one thing that I've always had on my list of things to check out, of, you know, in terms of supplements is One Grung Above. And I, I get it, it was just sort of there for perfect. It's five pages. You know, it came out 2017. Something for Extra Life, which we talked about in the last episode, something for charity. Yep. So I was like, tick, tick, tick. This is going to have a lot for us to talk about. And then I read it. <laughs> <laughs> And as we sort of said, um, not much there, but I think from it, we can go into other things. And, and it's actually introduced me to an idea of like, what can you do if you have all your characters playing either the same uh, race or playing similar characters going out to do either like a heist situation or, or working together where there's some degree of what I like to call like a paranoia, that RPG game where you're all you're all in little positions and all sort of like uh, have to do one thing, but there's always a little bit of admin that you have to do. There's always a leader who's incompetent, etc. <laughs> Yeah. So that's what I got from this. What experience do you have with One Grung Above or what did you think of it to get um, sort of in-person yeah, impressions? It's, yeah, it's interesting because we had featured this in the magazine and we had talked about the subject matter, which was kind of reintroducing Grungs, who are these frog-like humanoids, into 5th edition. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'd also talked about it because they then appear in Tomb of Annihilation, mm-hmm. which is a very jungle set kind of adventure and so they're perfect for that kind of thing you know living in kind of tropical rainforest type stuff Mm -hmm. so we talked a little bit about it like that but i also had not actually read (laughs) from above and so yes when when i got this i was like oh okay so this i'll kind of give a brief overview of what it is right so please do yeah 
It starts with an introduction from Chris Lindsay, who is one of the main architects working over at Dungeons and Dragons. He's a huge Grung fan, and so he wanted to reintroduce that. That's his introduction, right? So he, he introduced it. That's almost the, one of the most fun bits, because that gives you a little insight into how they work over there mm-hmm. at Wizards of the Coast. Mm-hmm. And then what it actually introduces is characters who are going to be in a stream that appeared that was part of the launch event for Tomb of Annihilation, mm-hmm. where all of the people who were playing in that stream, all of whom are fairly well-known DMs, they all played Grong characters. Mm-hmm. And this introduces some of those, but it actually doesn't it doesn't introduce all of them. No. Nope. Even all of them. No. Nope. <laughs> because what it does is it introduces the characters who then made it onto the stream that followed that. Because they then a lot of people watch that and liked the idea of a game where everyone was a grung. And so they made a new stream out of that, but it had fewer players in it. And that's what we get. And and there's even the last thing we get is a non-grung character. Mm-hmm. who is an albino dwarf. Now, in the first game for Tomb of Annihilation, they fight albino dwarves. So mm-hmm. I found that interesting as well. And that's it. And then the, <laughs> la- the, very, the very last section is just some grung traits. Mm-hmm. And it is telling you... That gives you the most solid kind of playable information. Mm-hmm. You know, it tells you what languages they know, about their poison, about their water dependency, how they can use their frog's legs to jump really far, stuff like, you know, mm-hmm. interesting stuff like that. But even that's not a huge amount. It's it's kind of the bare bones, really. I was really surprised, actually, because um, they had been introduced very briefly in Bolo's Guide to Monsters, which I think just came out just before yeah. Tomb of Alienation. And that had a bit more about the background and the sort of the culture and the sort of you know, what grungs are, which, again, we'll probably go into. But yeah, nothing on that at all. And <laughs> yeah. so if you just read this as it was without watching the one grung above uh, stream or looking at Bolo's or anything like that, you'd be like, so wait, what what are these characters? What you know, what's what is the thing? Like just going looking at the traits and stuff you get, like um, I know alignment's not necessarily as important anymore. Yeah. But reading at it, like it talks about uh, they're very lawful because Gorongs are in this strict sort of caste system, which we'll probably again go into yeah. in a little bit more detail. Yeah. And that's the most about their culture you kind of get from that little thing about like, oh well, they tend to be in this sort of strict hierarchy where social advancement occurs very rarely. And so you can imagine like sort of a very Again, from this oppression of it, very oppressive, sort of like, well, you know your place, everyone works down from that. And then, yeah, like you said, it very much feels a bit like a bodywork in a sense, because obviously those are the other sort of main frog type creatures that I'm aware of. I'm sure there are others. Yeah, you've got amphibious, uh, poison immunity, everything's immune to poison, it turns out. Um, <laughs> yeah. I quite like poisonous skin, so that's like your natural defense. Like if someone touches you, um, yeah. they have to make a DC 12 constitution saving throw or become poisoned for a minute. And what I did like, there was like an update, I believe it was on DD Beyond, was a note saying, Yes, if you have to heal a grung and you have to touch oh, their skin, yes, yes, you have to make the saving throw. And I thought, brilliant, because clearly someone's gone, no, I don't have to do that when, if someone's playing a grung. Because, yeah, they had to make that note in somewhere saying that it's not AL uh, Adventures League legal or anything like yeah. that. It's just a bit of a play, just, it's just a bit of fun. But I like the fact they had to put the note up going, well, yeah, it's poisonous skin. If you, yeah. if you need to touch the grung to heal them, then you're going to have to make the saving throw. I just thought that was, yeah. that was really awesome. And the other thing I, was, I just wanted to quickly mention was the water dependency as well. So this is, again, going back to sort of like other sort of, not inherent traits, but sort of stuff that comes along from the ancestry of being grung. If you fail to immerse yourself in water for at least one hour each day, you suffer a level of exhaustion. 
which I thought was really interesting. And then, yeah, it says you recover it through magic or by immersing yourself in water for at least an hour. So it, to me, it indicates like if you were playing a grung adventurer, that is something that you'd have to work into sort of your nighttime ritual or something like that. You have to find somewhere yes. which is enough to, you're about the same height as a halfling or a gnome. So yeah, you're three foot, four foot tall and yeah. you have to cover yourself in water for at least an <laughs> yeah. hour. So you have to just stand, I don't know, in the shower or do you have to like get into a bath with your eyes? Like <laughs> Again, just as a quick description of it. I was like, oh, this is actually, it seems quite fun as a result. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So in the way it's written, Grong lifestyle. So they grow from tadpoles. So they tend to live near a water source because that's obviously where they would have the tadpoles and protect them until they've absorbed their own tails and grow legs and climb out. Mm-hmm. Is how it goes. Um, and so if you're living near a water source, it's going to be quite easy to immerse yourself for an hour every day. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're an adventurer, how, where do you find a water source in the middle of a dungeon? Where do you find a water source in the middle of a desert that you can immerse yourself in? Like there are places it's going to be really difficult to adventure as a as a grunt, you know? Yeah, I, I generally don't know what you would do for that. Maybe you'd have to like like use a lot of money and create some magical item, like a what I would yeah. assume like a wetsuit that you have to wear or something like that. Yeah. I well, I but... guess I guess you could, I mean, a bag of holding holds a certain amount of stuff. I guess you could get into the bag of holding and hold on to the side of it and keep your head up. Because there's only so much air in there anyway. Oh my goodness. Um, and do that. But yeah, it does it creates these kind of interesting dilemmas that you're gonna have to get over. I mean, there are certain races that have sunlight sensitivity. Mm. So uh, a drow, I believe, does and a kobold does swell. And Duragar as well, yeah. You very rarely get a campaign where that is played out how it should really be played out mm-hmm. because it's a it's a massive hindrance to that character and it's the reason they normally live underground you know mm-hmm. i mean the frost maiden made a kingdom dark a whole kingdom dark pretty much and so that's the first time the durgar come up above ground and go like i think we might be able to live up here i think, you know? th- I uh, think this yeah. is a great place yeah yeah exactly yeah. but otherwise they would not because they would shun sunlight they just mm. wouldn't do that and this feels a bit like that where it would be like you would say to your dm i really want to play a grung and the dm would be like really (laughs) you'd have to make sure like why are you playing it and here's the world we need to work like because obviously anyone can play with anything they want and that's that's totally fine but again you have to work out like if if you were going to play it exactly from the traits like the poison skin thing is really cool but the set the drawback of it because of your ancestry is that you have to make sure you are hydrated at all times which is probably a good good rule for all adventurers to be fair (laughs) um but yeah and the poison skin as you mentioned before so the cleric in the party is going to be casting healing word because they they're going to want to do it from distance. They're never going to touch you and give you that full heal that you really crave for. Sometimes, you know. The other thing again, so obviously we said amphibious, the standing leap, which you mentioned as well, they can jump up to sort of twenty five feet. So that's your long jump is twenty five feet. So you can really bound across sort of the the combat area, but also fifteen feet up with or without a running start. So like yeah. you could get up quite high if you were trying to get up some some ledges or anything like that, up trees as well. That probably will help with your climbing speed. That's quite useful, certainly at like earlier levels when you know, can't necessarily fly or you you know there's difficult terrain or anything like that. I thought that was quite cool. But again, would make sense if you're like in a tropical jungle or you're in a forest of some sort where you can get to high places and see advantage points as well. Let's talk a bit about the the stream then. So the the Grand Stream. So you're talking about yeah. 
how uh, Christopher Lindsay, you know, loves grunge, brilliant, 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 and then put together the stream. Do you want to describe quickly what the basics of that first stream? You know more of it than I do. So. Yeah, well, it's actually, this is the interesting thing as to why this doesn't appear as an adventure at the bottom of this mm. thing. Like, I feel like people would buy this and then be like, is there like pages missing? Is there like, yes. should there be more stuff? Because in that first session, they actually play through an adventure it's very simple. They're just going down into a temple mm -hmm. and they're looking for uh, something specific. I believe they're looking for the body of a, of a dwarf because they need mm. something from that. Grungs have a caste system, as mm -hmm. you mentioned earlier, and they are a different color based on what level they are in the caste system. Mm -hmm. So a gold grung is the sovereign of the tribe. They're the leader, basically. Mm -hmm. And so most of the time they're a warrior because... You tend to have to fight in order to get to be the leader. Mm -hmm. So they tend to be from the warrior side. And going down, so orange are the elite warriors. Mm -hmm. They have sort of a level of authority over lesser grungs. Mm -hmm. Red are the scholars and the magic users. And green are the warriors, the hunters, and the laborers. So they're the lowest in the cast, the, mm -hmm. the, the green ones. There's a really fun thing in the stream. So the stream brings together a number of DMs, as I said, who play... We have Mark Humes, who uh, is brilliant. Find him at Sherlock Humes on Twitter. He's great. He's brilliant. Um, Nodger Articles there, uh, Adam Coble, Matt Colville, Ruti Rutenberg, Satine Phoenix, and Lauren Urban, who's mm -hmm. great. We love Lauren as well. Mm -hmm. And they all take different positions in this cast system. So one of the funnest things is that Matt Colville and Mark Humes and I believe, I believe also Ruti, Ruti yeah. Rutenberg as well. They are playing brothers in this mm -hmm. uh, thing, and they're actually like naughty kids. <laughs> yeah. who are like they're they're like the people who are trying to like we have an objective. We need to go somewhere, and they're like I want to do this kind of thing and going off and doing away. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, um, which is a really nice kind of thing to see. Oh, I won't spoil it because that's there's a really cool bit. I definitely won't spoil it. Uh, <laughs> worth watching just for them because they're they're good. Mm -hmm. um, because there's this cast system. Adam Cobol, who is playing one of the other brothers, and they because they're frogs, they keep talking about how Kermit is like their god, right? So, and Adam Cobol's character is trying to bring down the caste system. So at one point, he he talks about how Kermit is the opiate of the masses. Amazing! <laughs> it's so good. I want that on a T-shirt. Seriously, that's, I think that's, that's yeah, really such a great slogan. Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, it's a it's quite a simple adventure. They're literally doing a dungeon crawl. Mm -hmm. Um. It's helped by the fact that Grung have these sticky kind of hands and stuff, and they just climb. The dwarves who built this temple uh, put the traps on the ground, so the Grung all kind of just go across the ceiling <laughs> and, uh, and just do that. It's, like it's like easy in that sense. Yeah. yeah, and looking at the actual backgrounds as well. So, it, it, like you said, it takes some of the characters from that stream that yes. are then going into the other stream. So you have got Satine Phoenix's character as sort of the leader s, so the, the elite warrior who's playing like a monk type character. You then have Laura's character, who is sort of the, the sort of second in command, and then you yes. have Rudy's yeah. character, Wait, and all of the like you were saying, like all the brothers are like bleep blap blip, and all that sort of like great names yeah. for that. <laughs> and what I love, what I do want to take away from this documentary, yes, we're, we're sort of ragging on it because there's, there's no adventure, and it's like oh what, but what I quite like about it is that it's very short backgrounds. Yes. This is the sort of stuff yeah. I love getting from players when it's just like here are two paragraphs. 
let's work with it. And they have <laughs> relationships with the other two characters and that's it. There's not like, oh, my tragic backstory where all my clan died, oh, my yeah. long lost love, like none of that. I'm going to hold my hand up here. So someone once asked me for a character background and oh, I wrote five Matt. and a half thousand words. Matt! On- <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. It was like a, it was like a mini novella. It was insane. Okay, but, but I, I, the thing is, I, I, I commend you for like writing the creative writing. But it's like that's great. Do you want me to market, or do you want me to put it into the campaign? Like I, I have no problem with people writing. Like I've written so much about my own character and my other thing. Like I've written in my head and verbalized stuff, and then it's not happening game. And I'm like, but I know what happened. I like that. But something when it's like like this, when it's like okay, we're gonna do a stream. It's gonna be eight episodes long. And what's great is that it has like who you are in this cast system. Here is your relationships. And the thing that stands out to me, which is very keen, is that uh, Sassine's character is at the top as this sort of the monk courtier. Uh, as yes. young. Yeah. And then you've got Laura's character, who's an outlander rogue, sort of in the second command. And then you have Blip, who's also a rogue, but as a sort of more of a scout. And yeah. Satine's character does not talk to <laughs> Rudy's <laughs> yeah. character, only does yeah. it through Laura's character. Yeah. And I just love that dysfunctional, <laughs> that, that feels so like the office dynamic, like you, you're passing around <laughs> that sort of thing. And, and I think that works really well. And then yeah. obviously you have the new character, the dwarven monk uh, hermit that comes in as well. And that just to balance it all out, otherwise you just, you just have this one way uh, yeah, relationship yeah. between them. Yeah. But I just, I just like that. Cause that's like, here's something dysfunctional, which isn't necessarily mean, but it's just something that you have to work around as a social yeah. thing. And I just, yeah, I thought that was really good. And it, it was explained really well in these backgrounds. Just like very simple, like, Here's the things just to keep in mind. And, and of course, there's a thing. You can always break them later on. You accidentally say something. You go, oh, oh yeah. damn. Oh, I shouldn't people, have said anything. People, you will probably speak and they will look at you probably horrified, like, oh, you spoke directly to me. Yeah, yeah. They both go, we'll never mention this. <laughs> it's like, and then run away. Again, you sort of mentioned it with the sort of different uh, colours and stuff. There's the other two colours that I don't believe come up anywhere else other than Volos. So please correct me if I'm wrong. There's also blue and purple. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. The, bl- the blue ones are like the artisans and do, in quotation marks, domestic roles, which I'm not entirely sure what that means, but I, I assume it's like, <laughs> they're the tailors, they're the artists and stuff. That's, I'm, I'm yes. going with all that. Yes. The purple ones, and I love this, is just admin and commanders. So they're the <laughs> yeah. ones that are behind the lines, giving out the things, giving just, orders. Just, oh. just middle management, basically. Just, I know. Yeah. Because for me, I, I associate purple with like a royal colour. So again, just the, the way this... I like the fact that it's purple. You're like, yes, admin, good. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, I liked your description of the way they talk, they, the way they talk to each other or don't talk to each other as being like an office environment. It literally made me think of The Office, mm. where it would be like Dwight would say like, Pam, will you tell Jim that I am, uh, you know, I need him to do this thing? And Jim would say like, Pam, would you tell Dwight that I can hear what he's saying? <laughs> yeah. <Okay. laughs> the horrible back and forth and Pam's like, fuck this, like and walks away. <laughs> Let me bring in here uh, another source. Yes, please, yeah. So, Monstrous Compendium number five. Number five? Uh, (laughs) It's like Mambo number five, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) Little bit of Grong is great in room, don't. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Had Grong in it. It was a a Mm. Greyhawk supplement, and they were in there for that. Mm -hmm. There are some notable differences with today's Grong. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the the first one that I really jumped out at me was the fact that the poison is different. So it says, the poison is highly toxic. Those who fail the saving throw die in four rounds. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, that's brutal. No damage. <laughs> no damage if the saving throw is successful. And you're like, what? No death or no damage is the options there, right? 
I, mean, I will say the older editions, I know they are much brutal, but that, that seems like really unfair. Like... <laughs> yeah, that's harsh. That is mm. that is harsh, I will say. I'm assuming if you have Poison Kills You in four rounds, there's probably easy access to here's how I stop poison at that point. Like the cleric probably has that as like a really minor ability. Yeah, remove so, yeah, disease or something or yeah, yeah. minor restoration. But back in those days, so even drinking the water near a Grong village might affect you because their poison naturally seeps yes. into the environment around them. Mm-hmm. And it could make you sick for 2d4 rounds, which affects how you attack and affects how people attack you. They, It's easy to attack you and it's hard of you to attack other people. So it's almost yeah. like, a, like a lair action. I like that. Like, again, yeah. like if you accidentally stumble into a settlement of grungs and you make a faux pas, because obviously they have a very strict rule system, you go through the, the swampy water or the, the, the jungle river and you're like, oh, you know, water gets into your boots or it gets into one of the cuts you've got. Oh, that'd be, yeah, I like that. Having that sort of, having almost like an area of effect would be quite cool on that. Yeah, yeah. But there's a few more differences in the poison as well, even in the stuff that we have today for 5th edition. They appear again in Tomb of Annihilation because they're one of the creatures you may um, run across. In fact, there's a little um, mini adventure in Tomb of Annihilation that is set in a Grong village called Dongrong Lung. Dongrong Lung. (laughs) (laughs) Again, I'm glad you pronounced that and not me. If you're reading about them in Tomb of Annihilation, it tells you that they have the ability to poison you. Their bodies give out poison. But that poison is just, you know, the poison condition. That is, you get disadvantaged mm-hmm. on attack rolls and ability checks, right? Mm-hmm. If you're reading about them in Volo's Guide to Monsters, yes. there's a whole extra table based on what colour they are. And that includes the colours you just talked about, the additional purple. Mm-hmm. And that is brilliant because you might end up doing star jumps. Yes. <laughs> um, you may end up loudly shouting on your turn. You may end up being frightened of your allies. You know, there's some really fun stuff in there. And that's all related to the cast of Grung that infected you. So that's a, that's a nice, that's a really nice way of kind of adding to that cast system. Yeah, I really like this because it felt like, uh, I guess, because again, with all these things, you don't have to necessarily go through the cast system, but it's just a nice way of, I think for this one, it doesn't have to be uh, oppressive or anything like that. It could just be the way the society is run. But actually, I love the fact, like, for example, the purple poisoning is that you're just desperate to immerse yourself in water or mud oh and yeah you, and you have yeah, to do yeah. that and i just again in my head because they're admin people i'm like they've done their work this was a nice hot bath <laughs> like it's nothing it's nothing horrid of it and you and just go i just i just need to and then just face plant into mud i just <laughs> i would love that and i love silly things like that like the red one uh the red poisoning is uh, just you have to eat food right then and there yeah, yeah. and i'm just like yeah i love that I, all, all that sort of thing i love stuff that's flavored and it's not necessarily i mean it's all these things are unhelpful in combat not gonna lie <laughs> but these are just stuff that if you just ha- so happen to do if you just say oh we you know you handshake by accident and then you're like yeah. oh i'm just gonna shout really loudly and it's just <laughs> that there's a sort of almost social embarrassment of it uh, yeah. and again it's yeah. that sort of thing where players if they role play it or not that's that's up to them but i just thought as a yeah it's just something so fun and so different i just yeah really really like that as well yeah you're sneaking through the dungeon and you brush up against your grown compatriots <laughs> Because it's really tight in there, and suddenly you're shouting when there's guards down the end of the, the corridor, you know, for yeah. no reason. The blue one was quite because yeah, either you you choose to make a loud noise or you do it at the beginning or end of your round. So you could be like really <laughs> quiet and then like, rah, rah, like, like just as you're as you're trying to desperately go through. 
the other thing I wanted to mention in the Volo's Guide, they have this uh, sort of this uh, churring or chittering uh, attack oh, yeah. they can do, which yeah. is so cool. Whereas essentially, um, I've not got it up in front of me, but they they do it, and then you have to make a saving throw or be stunned and mesmerized with them. I think it's a yeah, mesmerizing chittering or something like that, or cheering. Again, that idea that it's just a noise that they make. And again, I remember seeing briefly on the on that first stream, they have a stick. Uh, oh, yeah. which yeah. is mentioned it's mentioned briefly in this a whistle stick it's called which is a musical instrument but they use it to play above their heads and each person has one and they can indicate to each other where they are what's happening just through yeah. communicating like that and i just thought that's a really cool that's not using magic that's not using yeah. like message or anything like that it's just you doing that and people again if they're working through the forest of it if you've got a group of adventures who are going through it and you hear these noises you might not know what it is but if you keep yeah. saying oh there's it's following you then you're like oh well maybe they are signaling to each other that there's trespassers coming close to the yeah. community so yeah i really like that as a sort of little bit of a and flavorsome it, yeah and it, it had an additional ability if i remember rightly where if they're rogues or, or they have they have that ability to you know kind of hide speech within things mm-hmm. then actually they can they can use it to communicate more fully over long distances exactly yeah. that yeah yeah oh. was there anything about this that you didn't particularly like at all matt is there anything you were like oh, i wish this was a little bit different would you say well i think i really wanted an adventure in there i really wanted you know even just a basic like you know grungs love temples grungs love they live in the or they they live in this environment you know maybe somebody's threatening the tadpoles maybe Mm. Um, you know, maybe uh, maybe someone's trying to build something near your lovely tropical village and you're like, no, that's not happening. And you have to kind of deal with that, you know, even if it was just like a couple of story hooks yeah. just to get people yeah. into it. Yeah, because I was thinking to myself, like, what are the supplements have we seen that are, are similar to this or not? And you think like the turtle package that was like fully yeah. fledged, like you got your turtles, you got your culture and you had a whole temple that was just you know based on that island. I know I know a lot of that was like, well, this is an other island that wasn't included in. The Tomb of Annihilation, but it was only like 20 extra pages and it was a quite yeah. cool supplement. And then I think, is it, I'll, I'll get the pronunciation wrong, but it's the one with the fish people. Is, is it Lorcas Rising? Is it pronounced Lokatar? I don't know how to pronounce that either. Well, so, ne- neither yeah. of us are good at that. But again, <laughs> that has the stats for it, but also very similar that all of you are playing as, uh, as these fish humanoids that are going on an adventure. I think it's, again, like you said, like to, to defend their settlement or something like that. So those are like fully formed adventures or a packet, as it were. And both yeah. of those were, I believe, extra life as well. So it seems, it seems it's a yeah. shame that there's there's not a little bit extra it's like for me i i had definitely had to piece things together going oh so it's based from this stream yeah it's interesting that you mentioned the total package because mm. that was a, that was a similar thing it was extra life and it introduced totals again even though neither of these races is official in mm. dnd air quotes again you can go to dnd beyond and play them both mm-hmm. if you've got dnd non-core details or whatever whatever the setting is they're in non-core so mm. you just put that on and then you can choose to be a total or a thing. There was a really good natured um, kind of social media campaign mm. that kind of showed you that Dungeons and Dragons is this broad church of like, not everyone likes everything that's in Dungeons and Dragons, even the people who make it. Mm-hmm. So there was this quite fun campaign for totals mm. about whether they make this thing or don't make this thing. And it was kind of like those who wanted totals to be a playable race against those who wrongly didn't and i'm yeah that's right wrongly didn't okay i'm i'm nailing my flag to the total pole there (laughs) but in his introduction to this which is one of the best bits of this Mm. chris Lindsay talks about how grong weren't actually very popular with the D &D team Mm. 
Mm. And when they were making Volo's Guide to Monsters, obviously everyone came with a big list of things that they wanted to do. And as the, as you work through things, some of those will get knocked off just for publishing terms. You know, you can't fit everything into a single mm. book. But when stuff got knocked off, each person who was working on that book got a golden ticket to put one thing back in that they really wanted. And he chose Grung. And apparently there was a lot of eye rolling about that. Like, <laughs> oh, no. Um, you know, just for him to kind of talk about that in this introduction is really, is really interesting. It just kind of shows there's this kind of, mm-hmm. there is this kind of slightly competitive nature of things in the background there. Um, mm-hmm. And not everyone being fully on board with everything. But like, I like to think that him including Grung mm. in that book showed people that there's often a lot more to a D&D, mm. any D&D aspect than you think there is. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that they have this caste system, the fact that their poisons, you know, uh, are interesting, you know, the fact that maybe the highest class never speaks to the lowest class, they only do it through intermediary. All of that stuff is great role play stuff. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's a good thing. So without them being in there, that's feels like it feels like it's missing so yeah i yeah. I, I absolutely think it's one of those things where i feel like again from us being from the sort of western uh westernized sort of you know way we've we run things yeah we're not used to caste systems whereas obviously in other parts of the world it's a real big thing and i think it's a way to show like here's how you can do it without you know stereotyping it per se or making it evil like i did i know at the beginning i said oh you think it's oppressive but actually you could make it into a campaign which is actually it is just the way it's going to and how people go up the only little tiny bit i was a bit like not so sure about it there is mention in the voters guides that they are slavers oh, um, yeah. well, I, I think it's interesting that we follow this guide came out we should have been having that conversation then probably yeah uh, but it came out at a point also the, the one of the annoying things about this stuff moving so slowly yeah. is that these things take two years to produce, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. So I'm talking to people about Candlekeep Mysteries now who started work on that two years ago, mm-hmm. okay? So it, people are like, why can't you change faster? And you're like, but we're, we're about to print a thing. And it, yeah. I, I find it really fascinating because yeah. obviously everyone was like really gearing up. For, we've said this before in the podcast, gearing up for Tasha, yeah. so it's going to change everything. And in my heart, I was like, it's not. It's going to be the first step and it's going to be small. Yeah, yeah. And people were like, outraged like there's other like other podcasters saying like can't wait to see this in uh you know sixth edition and i was like there's no there's no need to be like that because we all know and this is the thing i truly believe like you said it's a completely different working environment we don't know what it's like working with you you have more of an insight than i do it is i can i can tell you now people the comment that i see over and over again is wizards doesn't care underneath stuff like this and i can tell you i'm see the conversations in the background they care yeah they really really care they don't want to be producing stuff that is toxic or no, has not. that kind of vibe to it there's been a couple of missteps along the way but it's Absolutely. we're on we're starting on that path now and we're, we're on that path and we're not getting off that path going back to the slavers aspect of the grung it's basically what it says is like they like enslaving things but more for bossing people around yeah more because they did yeah, yeah more because they're complete assholes <laughs> and that's the thing i think it's about it's a small napoleon complex that's the thing and yeah. it's just about changing for me it's like changing the terminology and making it something like like you said it's like the office middle management you know yeah. a, a little bit of power goes straight to their heads and i just thought that was kind of important to to the mention like it's like yeah it's not great terminology but at the same time you think well, why is this it's because they everything is in this system it says it's very hard to go up the ranks 
and again yeah. the, the other thing which again i was a bit like not so sure about this is like oh well you can change your skin color but it's very rare and stuff like that and again that might be a thing but i think if you're having players playing this character i think yeah. we need you need to have a real serious conversation it's like what do you want to play okay you want to say you want to be an artisan okay well normally in this cast system it's blue but oh you're going to be adventurer why is that because i yeah. think i think like changing the skin color isn't going to solve you know, I think I think that's that, yeah. that's the wrong way to look at it personally. And yeah. I, I that's my for me. I would remove that line completely. I think like you know, yeah. like it's what you want to be doesn't have to match up to what it is in the cast system. But that might be a reason why you're not part of the settlement anymore. Yeah. Or you could change the colors around to how you suit it. It's it's completely up to you. But I think the cast system itself you can use to. This is a different kind of structure. You just need to do a little bit of research on it and play it appropriately like not making fun of it or dipping down on it i think it's it's an interesting one to to sort of come up against i think because I, I was a bit like there's some really cool ideas in here but also mm, not sure i would put this into my campaign i'd change it i'm glad i can do that on the the ground level but i know like going through like revised editions all that stuff, it's going to take time so yeah, yeah it's, it's just it was just an interesting so, thought i'm having this morning yeah i think i have to say i think there are elements of what was published in volos that were that to be remade today a bit like um you know strawberry revamped they tried to change some of the stuff they didn't quite go far enough again in strawberry no. revamped mm -hmm. but i think they would change elements of that because that's i don't exactly. think they would want them having that kind of connotations no. that go along with that yeah mm -hmm. um, it's interesting that back in the day so again going back to uh, monstrous compendium number five mm -hmm. uh so they were <laughs> they tended to be matriarchal apparently in mm. that setting which meant all the war chiefs were female. Mm. But my favourite line in that is that you rise through the ranks um, to war chief by duels to the death, comma, with the victor getting the title. And I just thought, I like that you had to add that line in because that's how duels to the death work. <laughs> the, the dead one doesn't get to be the war chief because they're dead, right? No, that's true. I, but you know, oh, they, did, they put in a great performance, so we should give yeah. them the vote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the interesting things about the adventure is that you can, as adventurers in Tomb of Annihilation, you can go to this village, which is uh, Dongrung Lung, as we said earlier. As we said. Um, <laughs> there's a fun little, little um, thing that you can play there. Mm. Now, in Dragon Plus, just to talk about uh, the Ooh, yeah. plug, official plug that. magazine game. Yeah, plug that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we actually featured some of this stuff. So if you go to issue 14 of Dragon Plus... We have Adam Lee's original notes and sketches for Dongrongong. That's really fun to look at because mm -hmm. some of it's pretty close to what then comes out at the end of that. Mm -hmm. But actually, we have what Wong Grong Above doesn't have. So if you go to issue 15, mm -hmm. where we talk more about Dongrongong, we have the actual adventure as a PDF. Oh, fantastic. And you can play through that adventure from Tomb of Annihilation. Brilliant. So if you are loving the sound of Grung, which I am, I kind of want to, I feel like I want to play one of these now. I was going to say, I'm surprised that your, your one shot we did for Pantheon wasn't all Grungs, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. I will say, like, again, looking at the, the actual illustrations of them as well, it's so nice yeah. to see them, uh, in, certainly in Volos, beautiful different colours, like there's uh, yellow yeah. ones as well, uh, which aren't mentioned at all. So again, you could add... So, you know, other colours in there and obviously use like tree frogs, you know, if you look at any any zoo encyclopedia or have a, have a Google or something, there's so many different beautiful colours of one. And even those who, which have yeah. like patterned, maybe you can even find a role in society for them as well. 
when Mira was on the podcast, we looked at dryads, and dryads have a very, very short thing in the monster manual, but nothing other than like, oh, they're trapped spirits by uh, eldritch beings. You know, if they're so around, are they, you know, part of a, their own little tribe or, or clan or what was it? And at least here, you have a structure you can start filling out with grungs, yeah. and and it's, it's perfect for the, like you said, the, the chult sort of setting. So, oh, this it's, there's so much to it. From four pages where one of them was a title page, <laughs> yeah. I feel like I, there's so much more we can uncover. So this is great. There is also, they did the original short adventure, just a 90-minute watch for Tomb of Annihilation as part of that launch event. Mm-hmm. And then, as we say, they do then a campaign after that. So if you are interested in seeing people play Grungs, there's plenty of um, stuff out there. And that's a very easy Google as well. Yes. So, in fact, if you Google one Grung above, one of the first things that comes up is that um, the adventure that they play in Tomb of Annihilation. I will admit, I only watched the first part of it because there was for me there was too many players and i felt very yes. overwhelmed yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's seven players and it's it's that's probably just a couple too many i think five is probably a better number I, I think so especially if you're all playing grung who are all you know, like you said that you had the naughty naughty oh, yeah. grung and you yeah. had the people who are middle management you have the office but you you can't yeah. <laughs> manage them all oh well, thank you so much matt for talking to me about frogs and frog-like humanoids and <laughs> toxicity is great and i'm really glad that there is an adventure out there i'm definitely going to look that up and put that yeah. up there from dragon plus magazine matt is there anything you'd like to plug is there any like upcoming projects or what are you up to uh yeah please do go uh, check out the latest issue of dragon plus there's some great stuff in there we always talk about the main releases but we do it in a really informative way so for instance you could probably read the feature about Candlekeep, where we've talked to every single one of the people who wrote an adventure in Candlekeep. And they tell us about themselves and about why they wrote what they wrote. Everything's a mystery in that thing. So they tell us about <laughs> mysteries. But one of my favorite things is we ask them all for their favorite sleuth, favorite fictional mm. sleuth. And I was sort of terrified they would all choose Sherlock Holmes, but they didn't. It's very, very varied. So I'm really happy about that. That's one of my favorite things. That's awesome. I like that. I like, yeah, because then you can tell people's different tastes and stuff. And like, amazing. I got to say, a lot of love for Benoit Blanc in Knives Out. Oh, yeah. Classic. Yeah, yeah. I will admit, I've only seen clips of it. I've not seen the whole film yet, but it's on the watch list. Also, because Hitman 3's come out, and I know there's a whole level on it, so I'm, I'm going to have to get into it quickly. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to play that. My name's Fiona. I run the What Am I Rolling podcast, which is a twice-monthly RPG one-shot podcast. Um, as always, going well. More things coming up, like we've got a Labyrinth one-shot that hopefully I'll edit at some point. That took over three sessions to do, because uh, it turns out Labyrinth is fun, but also <laughs> it's a lot of talking, um, which is great. Uh, we've also got stuff like uh, 39 Dark, which is like a sci-fi political uh, thriller that we did with two people. All loads of stuff. And of course, you and I, Matt, we're going to be doing stuff on Pantheon. Again, we've got you and me, we've got John, we've got Mira, we've got D. All, all these DMs, amazing DMs coming together to run a game for each of us for a couple of levels in the same connected world that we've created together. And yeah, I'm excited for people to be able to see the pre-games that we've done for that, where we were still kind of world building. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed running mine. I think I think you guys have fun in that but I've loved every one of those and they've all been really different mm. you know really different takes on the same world you were the first to go and you set the bar yeah. so high <laughs> and, and I hadn't even written my one at that point I was like oh no <laughs> panic 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 Definitely I don't know I, I feel like if you can let people play as a mimic and an owlbear and other stuff then like and they roll with it then it's it's good fun There's, yeah slight slight spoilers there but it was it was a lot of fun as soon as I got that character sheet I was like done that's, that's me <laughs> I, I know the level with Matt it's going to be great 
Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for listening, everyone. And we will speak, talk, uh, something next time. Great. Good. Bye. 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 <laughs>